Good morning, brothers and sisters. My name is Ambassador Monday Ogwojo Ogwe. This is Otakada Cyber Church Ministries, where we are seeding the nations and God is transforming lives through the timeless truth in his word. Today we bring you Engage, Don't Expire in Isolation and Loneliness. Ask for help. Get mentored. Learn from Peter, Tabitha, Smith, Wigglesworth, and Lester Simrall. This is part 20 of Enough is Enough. Uh, to uh, captivity and welcome to freedom in Christ Jesus. Uh, before we go on, I would like us to pray concerning this content that's going out today and also concerning the events happening around us in the world. Asking for God's intervention. Let us pray. O Lord God Almighty, the creator of the heavens and the earth, the one who made us, or the sheep of your pasture, we thank you for all that you are to us. Thank you for the battles that you continue to fight on our behalf day in and day out. The things that we can see and the ones that we cannot see. Thank you for security. Thank you for protection. Thank you for safety. Thank you for healing, for deliverance, for restoration all around us. We give you praise and honor in the name of Jesus. Thank you for the love that you have so much for us, that you sent your son to die for us, to grant us access to your presence because we are forgiven, because of restoration to where we are before the fall. We give you praise. Thank you, Lord Jesus Christ, for the finished work upon the cross of Calvary. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for your teaching, for your leading, for your directing, directing us all through this pilgrimage journey. To you be all the praise and honor in the name of Jesus Christ. This morning, I hide myself behind the cross and I ask that you have your way, O Lord, Holy Spirit. Have your way. Break the breath of life over this content. Let it become life unto those who the hearers. O oh Lord, let it transform. Let it bring healing, let it bring deliverance, bring restoration. And I speak and I pronounce right now, be healed, be delivered, be restored in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Father, I speak over the storm, over the nations even right now. In India, I declare, COVID, you're caused to your roots right now in the name of Jesus. I declare a change of heart to people, for people to begin to yearn for you, to look up from where their redemption comes in the name of Jesus. And as many that look up to you now, I release healing upon them now, cause your healing virtue to flow. I cause the, 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 the COVID in their lives, the virus, I cause you right now in the name of Jesus. I declare wholeness and healing, release wholeness and healing upon the Indians, even right now, as many that do not know him, know you, I declare an encounter in the name of Jesus. I declare revival over the nation of India, revival in, over the nations of Africa, the insecurity situation. Father, I speak to the camp of the enemy. I declare confusion even right now in their camp in the name of Jesus. I declare a change of heart even right now in the name of Jesus. Amen. I declare release of the captives in the name of Jesus. Amen. I declare, oh God, that there would be 
a return to you by the body of Christ. I declare a revival, a change of heart, a change of heart towards righteousness, towards obedience, towards unity, towards love for one another. In the name of Jesus, I declare that the church becomes the light of the world. In the mighty name of Jesus Christ, over Africa, I declare revival over this nation in the name of Jesus. Over America, O oh Lord God, I declare lawlessness. I declare the the the, the protection of the almighty i declare revival over that nation over europe where lukewarmness have taken over and godlessness have taken over i declare righteousness begin to be exalted in that nation revival over that nation in the name of jesus christ father this morning you spoke to me ask of me and i'll give you the nations for your inheritance and the ends of the earth as your as your uh, possession father i ask for the nations of africa in the mighty name of jesus christ amen i ask for the nation of asia i ask for the nation of americas i ask for the nation of europe in the ask for the heart of men to be turned to you to return to you i ask for the pacific asia pacific nations to return to you your their creator in the name of jesus to return to jesus i ask for god over the Pacific nations, over over uh, the islands of the sea, over uh, Oceania, in the name of Jesus, return to Christ. In the name of Jesus Christ, I receive, will receive them. I receive them now unto you, Lord Jesus Christ. Have your way in those nations. In the mighty name of Jesus, do a new thing in those nations. Do a new thing in our nation. Oh, Lord God, let revival of fire, fire sweep over the nation. The Holy Spirit, burn off everything in us that does not bring you glory. Thank you for answer prayer. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, today is uh, uh, April 30th, uh, Friday, April 30th, 2021. Otaku content count is 2220 1,262, and uh, today is the 30th, uh, Friday, but Thursday was when we sent the message out. And again, the title is um, part 20, Engage, Don't Expire in Isolation and Loneliness, Ask for Help, Get Mentored, Learn from Peter, Tabita, Smith Wigglesworth, and Lester Simrel. And subtitle there is Enough is Enough to Captivity of Satan and Welcome to Freedom in Christ Jesus. Engage and Ask for Help. How engagements between Smith Wigglesworth and young Lester Simrall transformed Lester's ministry. What do you do when some illness just won't go after much prayer? Learn from Smith Wigglesworth how that incident broke his heart and was instrumental to his death. Guard your heart. Smith Wiggles, uh, Smith, uh, Smith's prophecy on worldwide revival. Friends, you know if we are truthful to ourselves, would admit that whatever we have become in this life, whatever we have achieved in this life, whatever crisis we have overcome in this life, whatever successes we have attained in this life, if we review critically our life's journey, we'll begin to appreciate and point grateful fingers at one, two, three, or a group of people who came through for us in myriads of ways before beyond words. When we did not have the capacity to help ourselves. Now, if you missed the part 19 of our series titled Enough is Enough to Captivity of Satan and Welcome to Freedom in Christ Jesus, sign the contract today and see the salvation of the Lord in your life's journey plus five actions to a signed contract with God. Go to our website or through this content 
and um, there will be a link there. Amen. Okay. So God in his infinite wisdom put us in relationship, families or communities so that we can display him to our circle. To reach out to help in times of need for healing, deliverance, restoration and myriads of other ways we can support each other. In our increasingly self-centered, independent, self-help society, those, those societal anchors are breaking down fast. One break at a time. This is a grand strategy of the enemy to isolate and then destroy as we open doors of pride and prejudice to gain access to our lives. Pride, because we have this notion that we can do all things by ourselves. The fact of the matter is, if we are good in one thing, someone, somewhere, will be ten times better than us in speed, resolve delivery, and those of other indices. Some of these self-isolation tendencies are fueled by low and damaged self-esteem, security, and self-worth issues, reinforced during the early growing-up years and consolidated by unpleasant life events later in life. So what has this got to do with today's title, Part 20, Enough is Enough to Captivity of Satan and Welcome to Freedom in Christ Jesus, Engage and Ask for Help? Well, when... We fail to engage. We isolate ourselves from success concerning the issues that hold us in captivity or bondage. When we engage and we still don't ask for help, for fear of rejection, we remain in isolation in the midst of potential help uh, from our relationships and communities. A saying goes with some additions from my, for, uh, from my humble self, and I quote, Ask for help, not because you're weak, because you want to remain strong and don't quit asking until you get what you want from every available sources within your reach and asking for help could start with praying remember the account of the woman the widow who um, went to the wicked king that jesus illustrated where he talked about the fact that when he comes will he find faith on the earth uh, generation are too quick to give up when we've tried once twice three times four times we give up but we should keep going until there is a turnaround in the book of acts chapter 9 verse 36 42 we read the account between peter and the christian community in joppa who reached out to him in the midst of crisis one of the believers i read that now acts chapter 9 36 to 42 passion translation now there was a follower of Jesus who lived in Joppa, her Aramaic name, Tabitha, means gazelle. She lived her life doing kind things for others and serving, serving the poor. But then she became very ill and died. After the disciples prepared her body for burial, they laid her in an upstairs room. When the believers heard that Peter was nearby and leader, they sent two men with an urgent message for him to come without delay. So Peter went with them back to Joppa, and upon arriving, they led him to the upper room. There were many widows standing next to Peter, weeping, one after the other, showing him the tunics and other garments that Tabitha had made to bless others. Peter made them all leave the room. Then he knelt down and prayed. Turning to the dead body, he said, Tabitha, rise up. At once she opened her eyes, and seeing Peter, she sat up. He took her by the hand and helped her to her feet then he called for the believers and all the widows to come and see that she was alive the news spread all over the city of joppa 
and many believed in the Lord. We can see from the text above that when the local community got news that Peter was in the nearby community, they called out for help. If that encounter had taken place, hadn't taken place, Tabitha would have become history. I mean, in, in the way that things turned out positive for that, positively for that community. That singular act added new believers to the community in Joppa. Our asking for help not just blesses us, but others within that community. No wonder Jesus was so particular by unity in his body of believers when he was praying to the Father. And that's another way of asking for help. In John chapter 7, verses 11, 20 to 21. Holy Father, I am about to leave this world to return and be with you. But my disciples will remain here. Holy Father, each one that you have given me, keep them in your name so that they will be united as one, even as we are one. And I ask not only for these disciples, but also for all those who will one day believe in me through their message. I pray for them all to be joined together as one, even as you and I, Father, are joined together as one. I pray for them to become one with us so that the world will recognize that you sent me. For the very glory you have given to me, I have given them so that they will be joined together as one and experience the same unity that we enjoy. When we are united, we don't just benefit. The, believe, on the unbelieving world also benefit because they will see our love for one another. They will see the Jesus kind of love and be gravitated towards Jesus. Today, our denomination and non-denominational settings have created man-made barriers between the brethren that make securing help difficult. Those walls need to come down flat for us to effectively affect our wall for Christ in an impactful way. Our sectorized denomination cannot and will not have all the gifts that the entire body needs. God in his wisdom will not allow that to happen because God is a God of relationship and he desires to us to be one. To engage, to meet needs, to equip one another for the work of ministry. Now let's read that. Look at the, the mentorship through engagement uh, between young Lester Simrall and Smith Wigglesworth. Dear Howard, and this is this is a writing that came from Les Simrall. Les Simrall passed on in 1996, uh, and, and uh, Smith uh, 1946, thereabout. Dear Howard Carter with whom I traveled for many years and who sent, uh, sorry, Dr. Howard Carter, with whom I traveled for many years and who sent people all over the world to minister, told me of Smith Wigglesworth. In my travels around the world, I heard other reports about Wigglesworth until I wanted to see him more than any other prominent minister of the day. There was an eagerness inside of me to hear and see, see Smith Wigglesworth. After I had been with Carter through Australia, the Orient, and all through Europe, we returned to England for a national conference. Carter was chairman of the conference, which was held in Cardiff, Wales, and he asked me to speak in the evening because I was an evangelist. He had asked me, Wigglesworth, to speak in the afternoon because he was a teacher. The first week I was in Great Britain, my dream came true. I was teamed up with the man I had wanted most to meet. He did some teaching that afternoon and prayed for the sick. We sat on the platform together and smiled at each other. I have surely heard a lot about you, Brother Wigglesworth, I told him. And I was very pleased when he replied, Yeah, and I've heard a lot about you. 
I've been reading your articles for two years. Man, some of those stories about casting out devils. I like that. And your trip up to Tibet and back, I'm just glad you are not afraid. So we kind of made a friendship there. Wigglesworth heard me preach that night. Now remember, I was still a very young man and not extremely experienced, although I had been preaching since I was 17. I preached the best I could, and I did give a successful altar call. When I was through and turned around on the platform, there was Smith Wigglesworth looking at me. He put his hand on my shoulder and said, son, you need to come see me. In school, I had been called into the office and I knew what it meant to face the principal and work on a problem. My first thought when Wigglesworth said I needed to see him was that I was being called to principal's office, to the principal's office. I said, yes, sir. When can I come? He said, anytime. I live in Bradford. Here's my address and telephone number. I said, how often can I come? Do I need to let you know I'm coming? He said, you can come as often as you want to. These days I'm home, so you don't have to let me know. Just knock on my front door and I'll open it. I'll always be glad to have you. The next day they had what we call dinner on the grounds in the southern United States. They had long, long tables loaded with good food. In the center was a roasted pig which had been basted with oil and other good things as it was roasting. However, they made a big mistake. They asked me, Wigglesworth, to save grace. He walked over to that table, a big, healthy man, raised one hand to heaven and said, Almighty God, if you can now bless that which you have caused, bless this foul pig in their bodies. I looked around and thought, Dear Lord, we have visitors here. But those Welshmen tried to hide from him. They were the ones who had brought the pig and roasted it. I went over to him and said, Are you having a piece of pork today? He said, I never taught, touch this stinking stuff. So I had an introduction to the way he would say anything he thought ought to be said anytime and anywhere. He had no fear of man whatsoever. Within a week after that conference, I was on my way to Bradford. When I showed up at Wigglesworth's house, I had gone native. I was a real Britisher with a boiler hat, similar to the one you saw Charlie Chaplin wear in his early movies, a black jacket, striped trousers, and a dark blue raincoat that came just above my knees. I wore beautiful pointed black shoes and had an umbrella under my arm and a newspaper under the other. I carried my briefcase in, my, in one hand. Now, my personal time with Wigglesworth. They did not have electric doorbells, but I grabbed the knocker and hit the door with it. Then, stepped back three or four steps. Then Wigglesworth opened the door. I said, here I am, Brother Wigglesworth. He did not respond, just glared at me and said, hoots under your arm. That meant in his British accent, what is under your arm? I said, I have an umbrella under this one and the morning paper under this one. He said, throw it away. You can't come in here with it. I don't permit those lies into my house. Hitler and Mussolini will soon be in hell where they belong. <clears throat> in my house, there's only truth. And that's papers full of lies. So leave it outside. Hastily thrusting the paper into the bushes beside the door, I said, yes, sir, yes, sir, yes, sir. When I came back out, someone had taken it, so I lost my paper altogether that day. He then looked me over and said, come in. We went into the living room where he had a cool fire on, and it was very cozy. I thought I had come to talk, but 
He read to me a half hour from the Bible. And he said, it's time to pray. And he prayed for another half hour. He laid hands on me and prayed, God bless him. God bless him. My body was becoming weary. I was glad when he got through. Basically, Smith Wigglesworth was a Bible man who enjoyed reading his Bible to visitors and equally enjoyed praying long prayers over the reading. So he read to me from the Bible for another half hour and he said, let's pray again. Inwardly, I said, Lord, what did I get into here? This man will wear me, wear anybody out. Your body can become weary after hours of this, but it seemed to bring a tremendous refreshing to Wigglesworth. Finally, he got up from his knees <clears throat> sorry, and began to tell beautiful stories of how God had healed this disease and that condition. I sat there weeping, absolutely overwhelmed. As at noon, his daughter, Alice Salter, called us to lunch. She had prepared Yorkshire pudding, roast beef with that delicious gravy the British put on it, and peas. We had a delightful time of fellowship. When we got through, he put his napkin on the table and said, come back again. Then he walked away. His daughter explained that he had gone to get some rest. Before I had gone a block from his house, I said to myself, you know, I got something there. I'm different. I'm got, I got something. I received a blessing. I received an anointing. Something good happened to me in that place. I'll come back again. I received life in that house. Both father and daughter had life. About 10 days later, I went back. Oh, yes, I had on my little dark blue raincoat, and I had my umbrella and my boiler hat, but I did not have a newspaper. I continued to go to Wigglesworth House about every 10 days for two years. I continued to listen to him read the word and pray, and I heard personally of all of the mighty miracles God had done for him around the world. My faith began to mount up strong in the presence of this man, who became a we became good friends when he had a convention. He asked me to speak also. We would meet in other conferences and editions. Once a year, Wigglesworth held a convention of his own in Princeton, which is in the northern part of England. He invited me to speak while I was in England, along with his son-in-law, Jimmy Salter. It was so interesting to watch him share a meeting. He did it just as he pleased. You never knew from one minute to the next what was going to happen. He just let the Holy Spirit direct the meeting and tell him what to do. He did at least tell me I was to speak in the evening, so I did not have to be concerned all day long. About when I was to speak, he was very unconventional, a man of the Holy Spirit with a heart full of faith in God. In the two years that we had fellowship, however, I never met another visitor at this house, at his house, nor did I ever hear him say so and so was here yesterday or will be here tomorrow. Never once did he mention anyone visiting him. Almost 80, he was kind of a forgotten man, amazed that a young man would just come and sit at the feet of an old man. I was having the time of my life, but I think he was too. He got lonely there by himself, just him and his daughter. When I had to leave England, he became very emotional. I suppose he felt another lonely period coming. It was only after his death that people began to say he was a great man although they had talked of what people thought of as his eccentric ministry and of the great miracles that occurred in his meetings. He had shaken nations overseas more than his home country. He had made a tremendous amount of money in his overseas meetings, particularly on the continent. But he lived very thriftily, 
because he funneled the majority of his offerings into missions as fast as he got it. He particularly supported Salter's efforts in Congo. He never cared about money for himself to live by faith. I wondered what this man had. His bluntness intrigued me, and his depth of sweetness was like a well of water springing up. It was so delicious that I would come and drink again and again and again. However, Wigglesworth was abrupt. He did not believe in wasting words. One day I asked him, Brother Wigglesworth, how is it you look the same every time I come? How do you feel? He bellowed at me like a bull and said, I don't ever ask Miss Wigglesworth how he feels. I asked, how do you get up in the morning? He said, I jump out of bed, I dance before the Lord for at least 10 to 12 minutes, high speed dancing. I jump up and down and run around my room telling God how great he is, how wonderful he is, how glad I am to be associated with him and to be his child. After this, he will take a cold shower, read the Bible for an hour, pray for an hour, then open his mail to see what God would have him do that day. He was an extremely remarkable man, totally sold out to God. Now, a prophecy of hope in the middle of war. In 1939, World War II broke out as Germany invaded Poland. I preached all over the continent and I knew it was coming. Everyone in Britain knew it was coming. I had preached in 319 cities in the two years before this. In Great Britain and Europe, especially in France, I had even preached in Germany with Hitler's Gestapo men sitting in every one of the meetings, although they were still allowing outside ministers to come in and preach. However, I knew when I went to England in 1937 that it would not be long before full-scale war broke out again. War clouds hovered over Europe and Great Britain during most of the late 30s. Prime Minister Neville Chamberlain made sure a miserable failure made such a miserable failure at handling Hitler. Returning from a meeting with him, waving a piece of paper in his hand and proclaiming peace in our time, when of course everything Hitler had agreed to was a deception and lies. So Winston Churchill had been backing at Chamberlain's, Chamberlain's feet for months and months about his handling of Hitler. So of course, when war broke out, Chamberlain had to resign. Churchill then became Prime Minister. Hitler's armies moved through Poland, Belgium, Holland, and into France. The French had thought the marginal line would hold the Germans, but Hitler went down through Holland and came around the invisible line of defense. France fell in six days. I had not only lived through uh, spiritual upheavals caused by wave on wave of Holy Spirit in this century, but through all of the natural upheavals caused by all of the wars of this century, I cannot describe what it was like living in such exciting yet such unsettling times, particularly those two years that I was in England. The British were very apprehensive, even frightened, those who were not pacifists back in Chamberlain with their heads in the sand. Also, Churchill visited the United States frequently, pleading with President Roosevelt to get involved. He thought that Hitler would not dare to attack Britain if he knew the United States would back up England, and he may have been right. At any rate, Roosevelt did not declare war until he had to. When Japan attacked Pearl Harbor on December 7, 1941, so when I was there, I was among Britons who felt very lonely and exposed in the island empire, not very well prepared for war. One morning, someone knocked on my door at the Bible at the Bible school where I was staying in London, and I opened it to find a big policeman, more than six feet tall, standing there 
with a paper in his hand. He said, I'm looking for Lester Simrall. I asked, I'm Lester Simrall. And he handed me the paper saying, His Majesty has sent this, this notice to you that you have 10 days to leave the country. There is now a war zone. And Hitler is getting himself in position across the English Channel to hit us conveniently. As you are a visitor here, you will need to leave. If I had not left then, before open hostilities broke out, there was not no telling how long it would have been before I could have left the country safely. I began to visit friends I had made there to tell them goodbye. I went to Smith Wigglesworth's home to tell them goodbye. It was a sad visit because I knew I probably would not see him again in this world. He had blessed me in so many ways. He had discussed the word of God with me in many wonderful sessions so that I was always eager to get to his house. And it seemed eager for me to come. At that time, I was in my mid-twenties, and it was 80 in 1939. I suppose not many young men were interested in spending time sitting at the feet of an old man, no matter what his life had been. I said, Brother Wigglesworth, I am on a special mission today. I have orders from your government to leave the country. It is nothing I have done. It is what Hitler is doing. Explaining that I only had so many days to leave the country because of the expectations of an imminent Nazi attack. I told him I planned to go back to the States and then on to other countries to continue preaching the gospel. I said, the fellowship with you has been very rare. Only a person like Howard Carter or Donald G. has blessed me equal to the blessing I have received from you. And I humbly thank the Lord and thank you for giving me so much of your time. I thank you for letting me hear you talk to God in prayer and hear you read the word of God and see how it comes alive within you. I'm grateful, but now I will have to leave. Wigglesworth stood up and tears began to flow down his face. He looked like a Philadelphia lawyer or a Boston banker, not a hair out of place, and as always, groomed so perfectly and beautifully. He stood as straight as a general and said, I want to bless you. He laid his hands on me and pulled me close to him and, and let my head go in closer to him. Tears flowed from his eyes and ran down his face and dropped off onto my forehead and ran down my face. As he cried, he said, Oh God, let all of the faith that is within my heart be in his heart. Let the knowledge of God that resides in me also reside in him. Let all the gifts of the Spirit that function in my ministry function in his life. I just stood there weeping, and he stood there praying and weeping, holding me in his embrace. I felt the holy anointed of Most High God as it flowed from him into me. As he broke the embrace, he said, You will be blessed, and faith will reside within you, and you will do unusual things. Then he stopped a moment, opened his eyes, and said, I wish to tell you something. And his eyes looked as I, Elijah's, must have when he saw the chariots of fire coming. I said, yes. He exclaimed, I see it. I see. I asked, what do you see? Shutting his eyes again, he said, I see the greatest revival in the history of mankind coming to planet Earth. Maybe as never before. And I see the dead race. I see every form of disease healed. I see whole hospitals emptied with no one there. Even the doctors are running down the street shouting. He told me that there would be untold numbers of uncountable multitudes that would be saved. No man would say so many, so many, because nobody would be able to count those who come to Jesus. No disease would be able to stand before God's people. It would be a worldwide situation, not locally, he said. 
the worldwide thrust of God's power and God's anointing upon mankind. Then he opened his eyes and looked at me and said, I will not see it, but you will see. You shall see it. The Lord says that I must go on to my reward, but that you will see the mighty works that he will do upon the earth in the last days. In spite of being sad at leaving him, his words excited me. The idea that I would get to see this revival was almost overwhelming. And in the last decade or so, I believe we have seen this revival begin to sweep the earth. We have seen amazing moves of God in Africa. We have seen enormous congregations raised up all over the world. Recently, I was in China and met with the underground church. I was told there are at least 45 million full gospel Christians in China. I discovered the depth of prayer and integrity there that I had not felt anywhere else in the world. There's something so intense in those Chinese Christians that you have to join in with them. When they weep, you weep. You cannot help it. They told me of at least a hundred people who have been raised from the dead in recent years. They thought of blind eyes open, people walking out of wheelchairs, and of a mighty revival moving through China. So I believe we are seeing Wigglesworth's prophecy begin to be fulfilled. We are seeing the first stages of it. My feeling is that this revival will not last a long time, but it will come upon young men and women who are not well known nor greatly appreciated. Suddenly their names will be everywhere because of the mighty move of God in their ministries. In the last couple of years, perhaps 25 different pastors in 25 different places have said to me that the Lord has told them this mighty worldwide revival will begin in their locations. I've just smiled and thought, well, I don't care where it starts, just so I get to be in on it. The exciting word, world of Smith Wigglesworth. When Smith Wigglesworth was born in Yorkshire, England, and came to live and eventually minister on planet Earth, evangelism was largely centered in Great Britain and was led by British ministers beginning with the second quarter of the 19th century. Britain had begun to take the gospel to the ends of the earth, beginning with in inland China. There had been few missions efforts since the days of the early church. Evangelization from about the 4th century on had been to gain converts for the Roman Catholic Church. And after the Reformation, evangelization still continued to be mostly among believers and centered on doctrines. In the 18th century, many British ministers, Methodists, Baptists, Presbyterians had spread out across the vast continent of the United States, working with the Native Americans. But no major worldwide effort of taking the gospel to the ends of the earth, Mark chapter 16, verses 15 to 18, had taken place until about 1830. Then organized missionary efforts and organization began to be formed in Great Britain. The British Christians sent Hudson Taylor, Adoniram Johnson, William Carey, and others to Asia. David Livingstone went into Africa, and William Booth founded the Salvation Army. Smith Wigglesworth knew these pioneers who were British intimately. He knew the pioneers of Pentecostalism. He often ministered with the Jeffreys, Donald G., Howard Carter, T.B. Barrett of Norway, Stanley Frotsham, and most of the others I have mentioned. Of a truth, he was born in very favorable times, surrounded by unusual men who blessed and inspired one another. And like many other great men, he came from a humble beginning. Much of this has been told in detail in Frotsham's books and the books by others about Wigglesworth. He was hardly known beyond his hometown of Bradford until he was 48 years old 
when he received the Pentecostal experience at Sunderland under the ministry of Episcopal Vicar Alexander Pordy. <clears throat> And his wife. Until this time, Wigglesworth was plumber and assisted his wife, Polly, in a mission. She did the preaching and he greeted people at the door, passed out books, and cancelled at the altar. From the time Wigglesworth was six years old, he helped support his family, first by pulling tunips, then by working in a factory with his brother and his father. Because he was deprived of an education, he never learned to read until he was an adult. In fact, his wife taught him to read. In later years, he said that he never read anything but the Bible. Wigglesworth was converted at eight years of age at a Wesley Young Methodist Church. At 10, he changed to the Church of England and was confirmed. He was 16 when he went to Salvation Army. At 20, he moved to Liverpool to work. He won hundreds to Christ, particularly the poor children who lived near the dogs. He fed them from his salary and preached Jesus to them. At 23, Wigglesworth returned to Bradford, where he made his home for the remaining days of his life. There he opened his own plumbing business and met the young lady who was to become his wife. Wigglesworth received healing for, from a ruptured appendix. As a result, he said that God gave him great faith to pray for people suffering with appendicitis. He began his healing ministry before he was baptized in the Spirit. He usually concluded his sermons by praying for the sick. Polly Wigglesworth died before her husband began to be well known and to preach extensively in other countries. In his later years, he became one of the best known evangelists in the Pentecostal movement. He was accused of being rough with people, but he was never accused of being weak in faith. Of course, I heard about him long before I ever met him. In Sydney, Australia, a pastor asked me, have you ever met Smith Wigglesworth? I said, not yet. I'm on my way. I'm going to find him somewhere. I've heard of some of the miraculous things that happened in this unique in his unique ministry. The pastor said, He was here in my city recently, and did we ever have a time? I took him to one of the fanciest restaurants to have lunch on Sunday. When we came into the restaurant, someone took his coat and hung it up for him. He looked around like an eagle. Only wealthy people ate in this restaurant. Instead of sitting down, he took a fork and began to hit the side of his glass with teeth. Bing, 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 everybody stopped eating. Here was Whistleward, Wigglesworth, a handsome-looking man, beating his water glass. Then he raised his hand and said, Ladies and gentlemen, I have noticed since arriving here that none of you prayed over your food. You resemble a bunch of hogs to me. You just jump in and eat without giving thanks to the one who provided it for you. Bow your heads and I'll pray for you. The pastor told me I could have crawled under the table <laughs> very easily and be, uh, gotten out of the way so people wouldn't see me. Wigglesworth raised his hands and prayed for those people. Before he left the restaurant, however, two families came over and got saved. Then I was ashamed of myself for not being as strong as Wigglesworth. Wigglesworth's ministry centered on salvation, healing, and baptism of the Holy Spirit. He was strong in character and created his own atmosphere where he went. After receiving the baptism of the Holy Spirit, the Lord spoke to Wigglesworth to prepare a banquet for the poor, the lame, and the blind. He secured tickets and hired two people to go throughout the city and find the afflicted, the tormented, and the crippled and bring them to a supper he would provide at the mission. He often said the sight 
of those uh, surfers was beyond description. And that this was the happiest time of his life. The mighty healing that took place during those times increased Wigglesworth's world faith. During the 1920s, he came to America on several evangelistic tours. The first time I heard any specific details of his ministry was in San Francisco before starting around the world with, world with Howard Carter. I was preaching at the Glad Tidings Tabernacle, which seated more than 3,000 people. People said to me, have you met Smith Wigglesworth? I said, no, not yet. And they told me he had been there in the same tabernacle where I was preaching. They told me of a cancer patient brought to the healing service. Wigglesworth went down the line saying, what's up? British, for what is wrong with you? When he got to this man lying on a bed wearing on a, on only a little hospital gown that tied in the back, Wigglesworth asked the doctor with the man, what's up? The doctor explained that his patient was dying of cancer. Wigglesworth asked, where is it? And the doctor replied, in his stomach. The evangelist promptly pulled up his fist and hit the man in the stomach so hard the man appeared to die. His hands fell off the bed. The doctor began to scream, he's dead, he's dead. He looked up at Wigglesworth and said, you've killed him. The family will sue you. Wigglesworth calmly looked at the doctor and said, he's ill. He talked with a cockney accent, not pronouncing his H. He did not stop, but kept on walking down the line praying. About 10 minutes later, the man came down the line behind Wigglesworth on the platform. He had stood up, moved the doctor to one side, and was walking around in that funny little hospital gown with his backside hanging out before more than 3,000 people. He did not have one thought, thought for his appearance. However, he had his hands up over his head. I was screaming, I'm healed, I'm healed. Even the doctor had developed faith. He was right behind the sick bed yelling, he's healed, he's healed. The man caught up with, with, uh, with Wigglesworth and said, I have no pain. I feel wonderful inside. I have energy I have not had for I don't know how long, but Wigglesworth never even turned around to look at him. He just said, well, thank God for it and went on praying for people. It was no big surprise to Wigglesworth. He already knew the man was healed. That was the first time I had heard a detailed story of Wigglesworth's ministry, although I had heard about him since I was a small boy. After hearing this story, I thought, say someday, I want to see him. Then I went to New Zealand and Australia and heard more stories, including the incident in the restaurant, which only increased my desire to meet this man. When I met him, I was not disappointed. He was just what I expected him to be, from all that I had heard about him from the people of the nations I had visited, where he had conducted meetings. So ministers found Wiggles were too strong in faith and that frightened them. Also, he was strong in rebuking them for not having any faith. I love him and his attitude against sin and sickness. In fact, the stories had not been enough to really tell me what the man was like, nor can any book written about him do Smith Wigglesworth justice. After such a great faith-filled life, I've always thought that one woman's unbelief took the heart out of him so that he died early. It happened when Wigglesworth was asked to speak at the funeral of a very close friend he had, take, he had known for many years. Wigglesworth was 88 by that time. As he climbed the steps to the, to the auditorium where the funeral was being held, he met a young lady whom he recognized. He said, hello, how are you? I prayed for your mother once. She had cancer. Is she healed? 
The woman said, no, your prayers made her worse. And she turned and walked away. Igoso went on into what was called a vestry, the waiting area for the preachers who were to speak. There before a warm fire, he sat down at a little plain table that had no cloth on it. He put his elbow up onto the table and began to weep. The abrupt words of that young woman regarding his faith in God and his prayers hurt him so deeply that I believe this his spirit left his body. He went home to be with the Lord. Someone came into the vestry in a few minutes and said, Mr. Wigglesworth, it's time for you to speak now. He was sitting at the table with his hand still up against his face and his elbow on the table. He had not moved one bit. They shook him and could tell that his body already was getting cold. I cannot blame the young woman too much because if you do not have faith, we cannot blame you for it. But I believe that in reality, this woman's unbelief shortened the life of a great man. Some thought it was climbing the steep stairs to the chapel in the cold, then, then coming into a very warm room. But I think it was a sudden blow to the heart. He might have lived several more years and healed thousands more people had it not been for the heartbreak caused by a little woman who told him his prayers for her mother was ineffective. Wigglesworth told me that I would see the last colossal move of the Holy Spirit. I believe it is beginning to happen now. I'll move into any channel God wants me to move. I'll be anything he wants me to be. I'm ready to get out of this groove into another groove. I believe this word Smith spoke, spoke over me the last time I saw him would come true. Now, short prayer for self-deliverance. Lord Jesus Christ, repeat after me. I believe you died on the cross for my sins and rose again from the dead. You redeemed me by your blood and I belong to you. I want to live for you. I confess all my sins known and unknown. I'm sorry for them all. I renounce them all. Name them. I forgive all others as I want you to forgive me. Forgive me now. Cleanse me with your blood. I thank you for the blood of Jesus Christ, which cleanses me now from all sin. And I come to you now as my deliverer. You know my special needs, the thing that binds, that torments, that defiles, that evil spirit, that unclean spirit. I claim the promise of your word, whosoever that called on the name of the Lord shall be delivered, whosoever in capital. I call upon you now, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, deliver me and set me free. Satan, I renounce you and all your works. I lose myself from you in the name of Jesus. And I command you to leave me right now in Jesus' name. Amen. Now let it come from your heart and see the salvation of the Lord. Breathe out seven times. If it's coughing, cough it out. Okay? And are you sick or in need of deliverance or restoration? Let me agree with you. Now, for those who are sick or unwell in whatever shape or form or needing deliverance or restoration, I would like you to touch the dot below in the uh, device you're using or um, in whatever it is, or connect to the voice. Faith is seeing the precise positive outcome of your current situation. Knowing that Jesus has done his part more than 2,000 years ago to secure your healing, deliverance, restoration as a down payment. 
trusting that that down payment is available to you to draw from like a positive balance in your checking account with the bank no question asked as we agree with you and pronounce be healed in the name of jesus christ amen now by the authority you have granted unto me and unto them i exercise that authority now in faith with their anger against the enemy and hunger to get what you have freely given unto them all across every illness every disease be it cancer covid 19 be it spirit of infirmities be it demonic possession or oppression be it the spirit of poverty setback delayed fulfillment of what god has already determined and released we come against the anomaly we bind them we cause them to their root and we cast them out by authority in the name of jesus christ amen we call forth a release of healing a release of deliverance a release of restoration to their lives in the mighty name of jesus christ thank you lord for testimonies that abide into your glory and honor and adoration thank you for souls that have been added to your kingdom as a result of this message the miracles that we have we are already seeing right now and investing for your glory in jesus name amen it is done rejoice Touch the spoil, highlighted as a point of contact, and confess it your mouth now. I am healed, I am delivered, and I am restored in my spirit, soul, body, and all around me. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen. Let it come deep from your heart, from the depth of your spirit, out as you say this word, it will catch fire. <laughs> That's Nigerian way. Begin to do what you could not do before. Begin to confess until full healing, deliverance, and restoration becomes a fruit in your life. In Jesus' name, amen. Stay hungry for all of God. Stay angry and take back all that the enemy has held back. In Jesus' name, amen. Note, there's fight for the healing of God's, for God's glory and the shame of the enemy. Send us an email or WhatsApp us if you still need us to agree with you on the issue and connect to the equipping series starting next week. Find detail on our website. Share wide. Shalom. Ambassador Monday Ogwajo Ogbe, Otakada Cyber Church Ministries, INC, and it's plus uh, US number plus 1302 772 7722, USA 1302268631323, UK 442035194554, Australia plus 6138609619, Nigeria. Plus two three four eight zero three two eight three five three four eight, which is also a WhatsApp number. And US cell, which is also a WhatsApp number, is plus one two four zero six two three one five three zero. And email is info at otakada.org. And our website is www.otakada.org. The Lord bless and keep you. The Lord cause this continent to shine upon you. I declare healing upon you. Complete. Be in the name of Jesus. Deliverance, be, you're delivered in the name of Jesus. Restoration, done in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. I cover them with the blood of Jesus. That which has been done is permanent in the name of Jesus Christ. I cover myself and cover everyone that is connected with this content with the precious blood of Jesus Christ. I declare that no weapon formed of fashion against them and against me shall prosper. And every tongue arises against them in judgment against me in judgment stands condemned now in the name of jesus christ thank you lord for answer prayer in jesus mighty name we prayed in thanksgiving amen